God, seeds, and the kingdom of heaven. Stories about what is seen and what is unseen, about what we do and what is already done. So the story we just heard, Jesus presents us with two seed parables. And just not too long, in a few stories before, he talks about the other big seed parable, the parable of the sower who scatters the seed on the four different types of soil. I feel like I should start with a confession this morning, though. Not a very good gardener. <laughs> Not very good with seeds myself. I love plants. I love having plants in the house, and I forget about them, and they go get so dry and parched that they never come back to life, and then sometimes I will overwater them, and they don't thrive either. When they do work, when they do live, when they do grow, I, some magic is happening, and I'm not involved at all. Something is happening with the sunlight and the water and their happiness in the location where they happen to be, so I claim no responsibility for that. So while I am no gardener, perhaps my ignorance in all the magic that happens might help in talking about seeds and the kingdom of heaven today. So these parables, parables are stories that Jesus taught with. They're parables to help us discover deeper truths maybe happening underneath the surface. The children's curriculum, Godly Play, presents a parable in a gold box. And there's some language in the beginning about approaching this box because it's a present, it's a gift we have from long ago. And yet, there's a lid. We have to figure out how to open the lid, sometimes easier than others. Once we we open the lid, we have to see if we can actually jump inside and step into the story, dive into what is happening. So two parables we heard today. The parable of the mustard seed, probably all familiar with this one. It's told several times over. Parable of the smallest of seeds, which grows into the largest of shrubs and eventually becomes home to birds, which can make their nests in it. Whether the mustard seed is the smallest of seeds, whether it does grow into the largest of shrubs, not sure. But one thing for certain is that in Jesus' community, when he's speaking to his friends and followers in the Galilee, they would know mustard shrubs. They were all over the place. These were hardy, wild plants that could take root and thrive in the harshest of situations. They're ubiquitous. I think it's interesting because our first lesson this morning from the prophet Ezekiel, God is offering us hope. God says that God will pluck a piece of a cedar and plant it in the ground. And the small piece of cedar will grow into a large tree with full, noble stature. So Jesus' followers, his listeners, they would have known that example. And I think they may have been surprised to hear that Jesus wasn't saying the kingdom of heaven is like a cedar, magnificent. But it's like this mustard shrub that we've got all over the place. It starts from the smallest of seeds, and it takes root and grows. And not just for its own sake, to receive and offer space for the birds of the air. The other parable, though, that's the one that got me thinking this week. That's the one that I got hooked on. Parable of the hidden seed. Yesterday, my family, we went to the um, Golden Gate Park Science Museum, which the kids love. And one of the highlights for us was 
watching the afternoon feeding of the penguins. The biologist inside the, the exhibit was handing out fish to all the penguins, and one of the fish she was holding out fell down into the water. And so this was an interactive experience, and so somebody from the crowd watching said, what happens to that fish? Um, will the penguins dive down into the water and get it, or will you get it later on? What's going to happen to it? And the biologist said, actually, it will be put to good use. She said, there are other creatures living in this exhibit, in this habitat as well. And I immediately noticed in the corner there's some large rocks and there were some starfish on the rocks. And I started to think about the mechanics of the starfish getting to this large fish on the bottom of the tank. But she said, inside this exhibit with these sweet, cute little penguins, there are sharks, small sharks, but sharks nonetheless. And she showed us an image of what their mouths would look like. So nothing that could damage or harm the penguins. But I was so surprised that the penguins are living alongside sharks. Sharks are nocturnal, so it's very rare to see them in there during the day. And other piece that I found fascinating was the sharks and the penguins in their natural habitats would frequently live alongside each other. I was reminded of the unseen, hidden connections we all have as creatures in the strangest of ways sometimes. This parable of the hidden seed. Man throws out the seed, goes about his own business, sleeping, waking, tending to himself, and never once thinks about wonders how the seed is doing. The man doesn't need to do any tending of the seed. He doesn't water it. He doesn't make sure the sunlight is just right. He goes about his own business, and the seed roots down, sprouts, and bears fruit. And when the man sees that the seed has, is bearing fruit, he sends out for his sickle to gather in the harvest. Seeds grow because that's what they're designed to do. The kingdom of heaven grows because that's what it does. The story, Jesus said, it's automatic what is happening. There's nothing we can do. It's already happening. And it's happening within us and among us and for us. I just find that message so countercultural to the way we live our day to day. Feels like we're constantly reminded of ways to improve ourselves. Seven habits of highly effective people, the habits that these um, successful people engage in before the rest of the world is waken up, all these messages that we receive in our culture about how we can improve and develop ourselves, which some of that is good and has its place. But the kingdom of God, it does what it does. It's growing. Whether we see it or not, it's building within us and around us. All we need to do is open our eyes, lean into the work that is already unfolding. I've been struck this week that the world, we've always deal with problems. Doesn't make them any easier to bear. I've been thinking a lot lately about how we live in this age of hyper-connectivity. 
all the technological innovations, all the communication possibilities that we have. And yet studies are showing that we feel lonelier and more isolated. I believe there's a deep hunger for transformation. One of my news feeds this week, I came across an article that talked about how no longer are we seeking travel just for the sake of discovering a new place or having a new experience. There's a new kind of travel called transformational travel. We're seeking transformation. We're seeking to be changed. There's so much that we can control. And yet there's so much that is beyond our control. And we still suffer deeply and often invisibly. Connected to this isolation and loneliness we experience, I looked it up and realized that in the past 20 years, the suicide rate has increased 24%. Sometimes it's hard for us to see what is right in front of us. Sometimes it's hard to enter in to those sacred stories, to the sacred truths. But just because we can't see it doesn't mean that it isn't real. Doesn't mean that it isn't happening. God's kingdom is growing. It's building. It's building within us and among us and around us. Because we were created for relationships. There's nothing we can do to change the nature of the realm of God. It's here. It's revealed in Scripture. Even the way our creation works reveals it. My hope, my invitation for us is to trust in its goodness, trust in its provision, and trust in the transformation that it offers. Amen.